You are listening to the teaching podcast of Praise Community Church in Mason City, Iowa. For more information about our church, please visit praisecc.org. comes to conflict, we have a great teacher. His name is Jesus. Yeah, we've been kind of really talking about um, just conflict. And if you have never, ever tried to love your enemy, it's a really difficult thing to do. It's difficult to pray for those who persecute you. It's difficult to love your enemies. And if you've never, ever tried to do that, You'll have no idea what I'm talking about. If you've ever tried to do that, again, you understand the difficulty, the challenge that comes in that. But it is possible. There is a way that we can love our enemies. And we've been kind of talking about, uh, again, conflict in relationships. We've been talking about it for these last couple of weeks as we've been really looking at the Beatitudes over this past summer. And we've really been kind of focusing on this seventh one, for a while because, again, it's just my experience that whenever I have taught on conflict, it is just amazing how many people um, find themselves in conflict at that time and just cannot seem to get enough in understanding how to resolve and to move through that conflict. And so these last couple of weeks as we've been talking about this seventh one, blessed are the peacemakers for they shall be called the sons or the children of God. It's been amazing to me the last couple of weeks we just have had uh, uh, just an increased demand for the CDs um, because people uh, find themselves often in conflict. I mean, I've always said where two or more gathered together, there's gonna eventually be conflict. Um, you may not need this information now, you may not be in conflict. Um, but I'm just telling you, at some point um, in maybe this coming week, coming month, um, you're going to find yourself at, either in the home, the workplace, in your neighborhood. You're going to find yourself in conflict because conflict is inevitable. It comes with relationships. Whether you like it or you want it, it just kind of comes in having relationships. And so you may not need this now, but I'm just telling you, at some point, you're going to need this information if you truly want to be a peacemaker, if you truly want to be doing the work of God. One of the works that we're called to do is to be peacemakers. And so we've kind of been talking about some of the steps that I believe are imperative for those of us who really do want to be peacemakers. We've kind of talked these last couple of weeks, and, and I kind of start off by saying, as a peacemaker, you've got to be committed to, to making the first step, to, to making the first move, to approaching that individual and saying, we need to talk, we need to work through this. And you may be sitting there saying, this wasn't my fault. I, I didn't do anything. Well, again, if you're going to be a peacemaker, we've got to be committed to taking that first step and initiating that conversation and saying, I want to work through this. I desire to be at peace with you. So sometimes, you know what, we just got to take the first step. And the second thing we kind of talked about was oftentimes we kind of want to begin with what the other person has done to us. We kind of want to talk about their mistakes, their faults, their role in the conflict. And like I said, we can't start there. You don't start with them. You've got to start with yourself. And you've got to ask yourself the tough question, what is my role in this conflict? 
What am I bringing? What have I done? What is my contribution? So you kind of begin with, what is your fault? And you take ownership of that. And you acknowledge that. You own up to that. All too often, we understand what the other person has done from our perspective. We're very, very aware of their faults, their mistakes, but we lack perception about our role. And so we kind of talked uh, about that last week. So I want to kind of pick up where we left off last Sunday. I want to begin to kind of look at the third step that we need to be committed to making if we're going to be peacemakers, and that is listen for the other person's hurt and their perspective. Listen. Don't speak. Listen. Be attentive to asking what is their hurt? How are they hurting in this? What is their perspective? How are they seeing the conflict? I know how I see it. I know how I understand the conflict. I know what happened from my perspective. But oftentimes we lack perception into their perspective. How do they see this? How is this affecting them? I know how it's affecting me. How is this affecting them? So we want to begin to listen for their hurt, listen for their perspective. Now again, this is important because there's always hurt at some level in every conflict. We think we're kind of just arguing over ideas, but do you realize that really what we're really dealing with aren't so much ideas, but more feelings? That's really where the conflict is at. Anytime there's a conflict, it's normal. People are going to get their feelings hurt, okay? People are going to feel slighted. They're going to feel misunderstood. They're going to maybe feel slighted. Again, it's not the ideas that are causing the conflict. Rather, it is the feelings. It's the emotions that oftentimes we're really dealing with. You've heard me say this before. Hurt people hurt people. That's true. In other words, the more I am hurting, the more I'm going to tend to lash out and try to hurt other people. People who aren't hurting generally don't hurt others. So people who are filled with love, they just tend to be more loving toward other people. People who are filled with joy, they just tend to be more joyful or joy-filled towards other people. On the other hand, People who are filled with anger, they just tend to be more angry with other people. So if I'm hurting on the inside, I am more inclined at some point to begin to want to hurt you and to lash out at you. It may have absolutely nothing to do with you. You're just there. You're just a convenient target. You're just someone that I can just kind of dump all of this out on. And again, the more I hurt, the more I'm going to hurt you and lash out. Now again, sometimes people who need love the most are those who deserve it the least. Isn't that true? Again, that's the whole challenge behind loving your enemy. They're your enemy. They don't deserve my love, but they're the ones that need it the most. The people who are the most obnoxious, irritating, the people who are the biggest jerks are oftentimes those who need the greatest dose of love, of acceptance. Hurt people hurt people. And the deeper they hurt, the deeper they tend to kind of just lash out at others. And I want to tell you, this principle, it doesn't matter 
if it's in a marriage, if it's in the marketplace or the Middle East, when people do not feel listened to, when they don't feel appreciated, if they kind of feel like their value or their dignity as a person is being denigrated, when people are kind of robbed of their value as a human being. At some point, it's guaranteed, they're going to become angry. They're going to lash out. It doesn't matter if it's on the border of a country or the border of your property. When people feel their dignity and their value is being destroyed, when people feel like they're not being valued or listened to or understood, they eventually get mad, and if you're not careful at some point, they're just going to come out swinging verbally, sometimes physically. Right or wrong, agree or disagree with their cause or their approach. And this is in part of what I think is fueling a lot of this Black Lives Matter movement. Black people feel like they're being unduly harassed, they're being victimized, they're being profiled, and in some cases, killed by white cops. So again, you can agree, you can disagree, we can argue over all that. I'm just telling you that underneath all of that movement right now is just this sense, we're not being listened to, we're not being acknowledged. People, they're just not understanding what it is we're feeling, what we're sensing as a community. Again, if you want to connect with people, if you really seriously want to resolve conflict, you got to start with their needs, their hurts, their perspective, not your own. You want to be a good salesman. You don't start with your product. You kind of begin to find out what do they need? What are they looking for? What are they interested in? And if you're a car salesman, you kind of want to ask, what kind of a car are you looking for? Kind of get a sense of what are they interested in. If you want to be a good professor or a pastor or anything, you start with their needs. Where are they at? What are they looking for? What are their needs? What are their interests? Not what you have to share, not what you have to give them, but what do they need? You listen to their hurt. You listen to their perspective because chances are you don't know their perspective. Man, I could write books on my own experience with this. I'll get into a conflict with somebody, and I'm telling you, I have got it all figured out. I know why they're mad. I know exactly what the cause. I mean, I've got it all figured out if they would just listen to me. And I'll get at a certain point in, in resolving that conflict with them. And all of a sudden, I'm sitting there kind of scratching my head, and I'm thinking, what are they talking about? And they're looking at me like, well, what are you talking about? Well, I'm talking about this. That isn't even the issue. What? Yeah, that, that's not why I'm upset with you. Really? Well, that's what I thought because I thought I understood it all. And then I kind of begin to listen, and they'll say, no, no, here's, here's how it looked from my perspective. Here's what I heard. Here's what I saw. Here's what I experienced. And we're like ships passing in the night. I understood my perspective. I understood the situation from my point of view. 
And I thought that that was the only point of view. And come to discover, lo and behold, they were seeing it from a whole different perspective. And because I didn't take the time to listen, to understand from their perspective, I kind of just launched off into this conflict resolution that was trying to resolve a problem that didn't even exist, except in my own mind. So oftentimes, again, we got to take the time to listen because chances are you really don't either like me at all understand or you have partial understanding. And you need to gain as much perspective and as much information from their point of view and not just from your own. That's why there's conflict. I want you to write this down. I think it's there in your outline. Always, 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 Always listen before speaking. We have got that so turned around. And we just want to talk, 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 and you listen. No, 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 no. We need to listen. If you're serious about peacemaking, you've got to give the opportunity to listen first. And you'll be given an opportunity, and chances are you'll be given much more openness and respect on the other end when you've listened first to the other person. So just take time to listen before speaking. Again, this is the key to diffusing conflict. You listen before you speak, and when you do that, you know what? People feel validated. They feel valued. They feel like you really care about their perspective and not just your own. Your ears are actually love organs. That's why God gave you two ears and one mouth. He wants you to listen more than he wants you to speak. You've heard that. It's true. Your eyes. You know, I shared first service. I mean, there was, Janie and I first got married. I mean, you know, I'm a multitasker, and so I would oftentimes, as she's kind of telling me, you know, her perspective, her position on a conflict that we're going through, I'm working on other things. I'm doing other things. I'm, I'm trying to maximize my time, my effort. And so she would just be kind of, you know, going on about a certain situation or conflict we were going through. And inevitably, she'd stop and she'd say, you're not even listening to me. I'd say, I listen with my ears, not my eyes. And just totally shut her down. And it wasn't really until I began to understand this principle that when I would take time to make eye contact, when I would look at her, um, when she was speaking to me, it made her feel validated. It made her feel cared for. It made her feel important enough that it mattered to me what she was thinking, what she was going through, to just stop everything and just give her my undivided attention. So. It's true that your ears, your eyes, you just need to take that time. And when you're looking at people, it communicates to them, I care what you're saying. I value what you're expressing. Uh, you're worth my attention. Philippians chapter 2, verses 4 through 5 says this. Each of you should look. We'll come back to that word in just a moment. It said, each of you should look not only to your own interests, which all of us are guilty of doing, our interests are the only ones we care about. They're the only ones worth talking about. They're the only ones worth considering are my interests, my needs. But the Bible says, 
each of you should look not only to your own needs, but also to the interest of others. Your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus. Now, what's Paul saying here? He said you intentionally, that, that you're being deliberate in this. You're switching your focus from yourself to the other person. Conflict resolution starts with the way you look at the situation. It, it starts with the way you see it. Now, that word look there doesn't just look at your own needs. You look at the needs of the person you're in conflict with. That word look in the Greek is the word skopos. It's where we get our word microscope. Okay? It's you looking at the little things you normally don't see. You're able to see the things that you're otherwise unable to see. That's that look, skopos, focus. Begin to look for things that you normally wouldn't see. Begin to hear things that you normally wouldn't hear telescope. That's that scopos word there. Again, you look at stars that you can't see up close. Scopos. You're able to kind of begin to magnify. You'll be able to begin to see things that you normally wouldn't see. And that word scopos, it means to focus. It says your attitude should be the same as that of Jesus Christ. Again, we become more and more like Jesus when we begin to focus on the interest of others and not just become obsessed and absorbed by our own interests. You're more and more like Jesus when you, when you begin to try to see and to listen for the perspective of other people and not just your own perspective. You're most like Jesus when you're focusing and you're more interested on the needs of your spouse or your children, your coworker, your neighbor. It's not just saying here are my interests, but I also want to understand your interests, your perspective, as well, if not better, than my own. That takes work. Sometimes it's just asking the right questions. Sometimes a well placed question can unveil a lot of information. There are times where I'll try to ask questions when I'm remembering to do that. You know, it'll be things like, how does, how does this make you feel when I do or I say X, Y, and Z? It's, it's just asking questions. What can I do differently next time? So it's just asking questions, trying to gain perspective from the other person, taking an interest in how can I improve in this? How can I become better so that we don't keep going through the same conflict over and over? Some of you are like, you're just going in a circle. You're like a dog chasing your tail because you've convinced yourself the problem isn't with you, the problem is with the other person. If they would just get it fixed, if they would just get it right, everything would be hunky-dory. But I'm telling you what, we all have a role that we play in every conflict. I'm not saying it's all your fault. I'm also saying that it's none of your fault. I'm saying there is a role every one of us plays in every conflict that we're in. And sometimes, again, the only perspective, the only interest we look at is our own. And sometimes just helping to understand by a well-placed question. Help me to see 
what you're seeing. Help me hear what it is you're hearing because I'm not seeing it. I'm not getting this, and I want to. So help me understand how you're seeing this. When Jesus was on the cross, what was his focus? Was his focus on, oh, look at me. I'm hanging up here. I'm bleeding. I'm dying. Oh, I'm in such agony and pain. Was that Jesus' focus? Was that his scopus? No. Look what the Bible says was the focus of Jesus as he hung on the cross, bleeding and dying for you and I. What was his focus? Father, forgive them, for they know not what they're doing. You can't find a better example than that. That was his focus as he's bleeding and dying. His focus was on us in the midst of his pain, his suffering, and his death. And he says to us, we need to bring that kind of focus, that kind of scopus to other people, to other relationships. Try to see it from their perspective before you launch into your own. Try to see it through their eyes before you share it through your own eyes. How do you do that? By paying attention. There's an old Chinese proverb that says, seek to understand before seeking to be understood. There's truth in that. There's power in that. And that's kind of what Jesus is saying here. And often, again, you and I, we're so busy trying to get the person, we're in conflict, to see our position, to see it from our perspective, that we're not listening, we're not attentive, we're not even aware of what it is from their perspective. We're so busy listening. Here's what I think. I think we ought to become as well-versed in explaining or defining what the issue is from that person's perspective better than the issue, the conflict from our own perspective. I mean, when you can understand it better or at least to the same degree that you understand your own perspective, I'll guarantee you, you are halfway there to resolving that conflict. Oftentimes, the most reason why we're in conflict and we're not getting anywhere in conflict is because I completely understand my perspective. I don't know anything about yours, and I don't care. There's conflict. I mean, just take an example of the people you work with. You have some people maybe in your workplace that you see and you get around them, and your blood just starts to boil. I mean, you don't even want to be around them. You don't want to look at them. You don't want to talk to them. And the reason is, is because you don't have scopus. You don't have focus. You're not really trying to see life from their perspective. You don't see their circumstances. You don't see the things that are going on at home in their life, maybe in their marriage, maybe in their families. And again, the less you understand people and what they're going through, the less patient you're going to be. But the more you begin to understand what's happening in people's lives, what's motivating them, What's causing them to be so angry and so hurtful? When you begin to get perspective, scopus, and focus on that, you will become so much more understanding and patient with them. Because, see, it's human nature that we tend to judge how far people have to go than how far they've come. Isn't that true? We're so impatient because we see how much more people have to grow. We see how much further they have to go 
and we're frustrated and we're impatient because why don't they just get on with it? And we lose perspective of how far they've really come. Wow, they used to be so much more angry. They used to be so much more impatient. They're still impatient, but man, not like what they used to be. While they've still got some ways to go, thank God for the progress they've made. And sometimes we just lose sight of that. We lose focus of that. We lose scopos with that. Again, when you look at how far they've come instead of how far they have to go, you just kind of begin to cut them some slack. Man, I'm thankful for the work that God's done in them, and I'm thankful that the Bible says that God is committed to continuing that work in them. And if you scope us, you actually, you know, take time to kind of get to know a little bit about that jerk, about what's going on in their lives. And you know what? Sometimes it's just being able to say to them, can I pray for you? And you just kind of see all of that anger and all of that ugliness just kind of begin to dissipate because it shows just an offering to pray for them. Here's someone who cares. Here's someone who's trying to help me. Because sometimes, you know, when you find out a little bit about their story, you kind of begin to understand, you know what, if I had a father like that, I'd probably be that way too. You know what, if I had to grow up in a family like that, I'd probably be that way too. Or if I had that kind of prejudice, if I had that kind of bigotry, if I was the victim of that kind of racism, I'd probably be angry too. It just gives us perspective. There are two areas the Bible says we're commanded by God to be patient with, to be understanding with, to be considerate of when we're dealing with anybody else. And it says this, we must be considerate of the doubts and fears of others. I will guarantee you a lot of conflict that people are feeling are fueled by doubt and fears. Here's the thing. Anytime somebody does something that kind of causes you to step back and go, what are they doing? What are they thinking? What is going on? Why in the world are they doing that? I will guarantee you it's almost always fueled by doubt and fear on their part. If you just look at their behavior alone, your tendency is you're just going to be more judgmental. But if you look at the doubt, maybe the fear that's underneath it that may be fueling all of that, you're just going to be a whole lot more considerate and understanding. We are to be considerate, mindful of the doubts and fears of others. But we're not. Do you know what we are? Here's how we react to that. My fears are perfectly rational and understandable. Yours are irrational and stupid. So you just need to get over them. You just need to move past them. Your fears don't make any sense. My fears make perfect sense. As a matter of fact, if you had my fears, you would understand how much sense they really make. So my fears are good. Your fears are dumb. That's the way we feel. My fears, there's a legitimate reason I feel the way that I feel. There's a legitimate reason why I have this fear. Your fears are all illegitimate. Sometimes we just want to just poo-poo away people's fears. Husbands, have you ever just poo-pooed away 
the fears of your wife. You know, parents, have we ever just poo-pooed away the fears of our children? Someone will say, I fear this. We just go, oh, that's ridiculous. You shouldn't feel that way. Oh, that's real helpful. All fears, my fears, your fears, all fears are irrational. They don't make any sense. Fear is really nothing more than, I love this acronym, fear is nothing more than false evidence appearing real. That's fear. It's false evidence appearing real. Mine are as irrational as yours. We just have a different way of rationalizing them. We know what rationalization is, don't you? Ration lies. We tell ourselves rational lies. My fears, my doubts are rational, understandable. Yours are irrational and stupid. The Bible says we must be considerate. Be understanding of the fears and doubts of others. And I'll tell you what, folks, when you'll do that, Conflict will go down in your marriage. It will go down in other relationships. Conflict will go down with your kids. We just had an incident with, uh, with our daughter, middle daughter, uh, the other day. Just, you know, was just having these feelings of fear. So we ask, what is it that you're fearful of? And just, again, understanding. And, and it was. It was just false evidence. It was, it was things that she really had no reason to fear. We didn't say that they were stupid, but we kind of just began to listen to where she was coming from, and then we simply said, here's the truth. Here's the reality. And we just kind of spoke into that false evidence. We kind of just replaced that. We just didn't poo-poo that. So again, we want to be considerate of that. And when that happens, you're going to find that conflict just goes down. We're going to pick it up here next week. Let's just, uh, let's stand together and pray. Father, I just pray for people here this morning who are maybe in the midst of conflict, and maybe it's in the marriage, maybe it's in their family, maybe it's in their workplace or their neighborhood. Father, we just ask, Lord, that again, you would just give us the ability to listen, to listen with an open a heart, a seeking heart to understand where they're coming from, what they're feeling, what their perspective is, that God, we not just be shut off and just be thinking and just only consider it of our own perspective, our own feelings, but God, just give us that ability to hear. Give us that ability to, to focus, to be able to put the interest of others, the needs of others before the interest and needs of ourselves. And Father, we thank you that Jesus has given us such a powerful example of that on the cross, that while he hung there dying, that Father, his concern, his focus was on our needs of forgiveness because of our ignorance. And so Father, just help us, Lord, to maintain that focus, to have that same attitude and that same approach in our relationships, particularly those we're in conflict with. So God, we just thank you, Lord, for the Holy Spirit. We thank you, Father, that even as we deal with conflict, God, that you would just go before us, God, that you would begin to prepare us, Lord, to uh, be peacemakers in this, 
That, Father, you would lead us, God, that we would be able uh, to go and to work peace into these relationships, God, through the steps we're learning here, through other leadings, promptings of the Holy Spirit. Give us wisdom, God, to be able to know how to love our enemies, to be able to uh, be open, to be prayerful towards those, God, who, who we may be perceiving as persecuting us or against us. And so, Father, we just pray, Lord, that as we walk this out in our relationships, that again, you would just go before us. You would prepare us, prepare the hearts of those, uh, God, that we're going to be engaged with, Lord. And, and again, make us peacemakers, that we might be doing the works of God in our life and in the lives of others. And we just, uh, we just thank you for showing us and giving us, God, again, the tools for being able to make peace. And we just commit ourselves, we commit uh, these relationships, God, that need to be resolved. We just commit them into your hands, God, and just ask that you would work in us and through us uh, to, again, bring resolution, to bring restoration in those relationships. And we just thank you for all this. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening. For more information about Praise Community Church, including gathering times and events, please visit us at praisecc.org.